Welcome back everybody to Webhead's Comic Book Club episode 4 where today we're going to be tackling Amazing Spider-Man Annual 1 as well as issue 16 through 19. I'm JP with my very sickly friend DA. In yeah. case you can't tell from my attire if you are watching on YouTube, I am slightly under the weather today. But we couldn't exactly reschedule this because this episode is supposed to go up tomorrow. So the show must go on. We are here. Fighting through it. I'm fighting through it. I am Probably COVID, haven't tested or anything like that, but I'm doing fine. Don't worry about me. I'm just under the weather. But So if I sound a little off, if I seem a little low energy, that's why. I'll have to just carry, I guess. You always do. I can barely <laughs> speak. I get to barely speak in these episodes, my guy. Uh, but we've made it to episode four. If you're wondering where we were last week, we took a week off for the holidays. Yep. Uh, we were just busy with Christmas and New Year's and all of that. Little did I know I would have COVID the next week, but, you know, it works out that way. So. Happened to a lot of people. <clears throat> yeah. Everyone, seems like everyone's got it right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I kind of... Nah, I was going to say, I kind of blame myself because I never got my booster shot, but go get vaccinated, people. Right. Personal opinion. I should have put my robe on, too. It's right over there, but you know what? Maybe when I'm sick next week. Maybe. Maybe. I'm planning on getting sick next uh, week. Well, so. I think you're going to get it from me, you know. Well, yeah, we're talking right now. <clears throat> yeah, I think I got it from, anyway, another friend of ours who has COVID right now. <laughs> um, oh, no. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, let's just, how, how was your New Year's? It's 2022, first episode of the new year. Um, I was quarantined because I had contact with someone that had COVID, so, uh, so I just kind of spent it. Yeah, it was me. Yeah, you yep. did to me. Um, do Discord, <clears throat> Snapchatted him, and then all of a sudden he was done for. Yeah. No, but I just, I spent it with my parents. It was just me and my parents, my dog, my bird, my snake, myself. You got a whole zoo over there. Um, yep. We did a... I, I actually watched the end of Jaws and drank some uh, of those, like, Jaws beers. I don't know if you saw my... If anybody wants to see an Instagram story. <coughs> Probably not there the anymore, that, but... Yeah, it's not there anymore. The, the beer that Quint crushes, they came out with a limited edition version of that. They're over there, but I'm not going to get up and, and show you. Mm -hmm. Um, So... Drank some of those. I watched the end of Jaws. Boat, Did you like time it to do something at midnight or? No, actually, I think if, no, I didn't finish it at midnight. I almost finished it at midnight now because, like I said, I spent it with my parents, so I kind of like went in the room that they were in and we celebrated, you know, hmm. ball dropping and whatnot. But what about you? I know you had a little bit more exciting of a time. Well, we had we had a New Year's party, but it was like four people because you know, c coronavirus. Um, <clears throat> clearly that worked out well. Um, but we did small group. Had some drinks, played some games, and that was why it was kind of a terrible time to get sick because I woke up the next day hungover as heck, so I just thought I felt terrible because I was hungover, but then by the end of the day, I realized that, no, I was just sick, and then I woke up today more sick, so kind of a, the world's longest hangover. Really starting 2022 off strong, but... I've actually been feeling pretty good. <laughs> than, like, I'm, not great. I'm a man on a mission this year. Let's see what happens. Oh yeah, lots of lots of episodes of Webheads ahead. Of course, of course. Speaking of which, let's get into the books. <clears throat> we will. Also, I'm gonna apologize in advance if I'm like to the listeners if I'm like clearing my voice a whole ton. You know why? It's gonna happen. You know what it is. We know what it is. But uh, so first one <clears throat> would be Amazing Spider-Man 16. Ah, not my omnibus. Well, I looked at the published dates, and unless the published dates are wrong, I'm pretty sure 16 came out first. But you know what? We'll start with annual one. No, if the published dates, you get the published dates. Let's see. Dates. I'm, I'm going to... Marvel Unlimited says Amazing Spider-Man 16 came out September 10th, 1964. 
Annual One came out October 1st. So they're pretty close to each other. I read 16 first, so. I read uh, 6 first, just because, like I said, I looked at the... I want to bust like that was first, I just wrote it that way. Yeah, it doesn't really matter too much, but... It doesn't. uh, Diving into 16, we're going to skip the summary and just dive right into it. Um, So, freaking Daredevil is in this comic book. As I mentioned in the last last episode, uh, Daredevil is my second favorite superhero. But it is mostly because of the Netflix show. Mm-hmm. I'm not even going to try to like like say it's not. So this was actually my first time that I can remember really sitting down and reading a comic with Daredevil in it. And I liked it. It was, it was very enjoyable. It's before he gets his red suit, so it's a very early appearance of Daredevil. Yeah, like what? First six? First eight? <clears throat> it would be the first six, yeah. Well, he had six, yeah, so that would, this would be something. Like that. Uh, seven is when he got the red suit, like his... Like Daredevil Seven, yes. I think, get the that right is, suit. That so is right. it'd be somewhere between one and seven. Um. So start him off. This is an action-packed issue. There's really not a lot going on outside of all the action that happens. Um, but pretty much we see Matt Murdock, Daredevil, uh, and Spider-Man first interact. <clears throat> he's a real. Uh, he's a real redhead. He's very redhead. That, that surprised me. I did not realize that he was such I a redhead. Think, I bet it was the whole, like, daredevil thing. He's kind of, like, ginger, you know? No, he's fully ginger. Uh, yeah, one thing I one thing I noticed reading these five issues, and, I mean, maybe this is, like, iffy to talk about, but these comics came out in the 1960s, and I've noticed every single character, whether it's a person on the street, person in the background, person at a party, person at the school, is white. Yeah. I noticed was- that, and now I can't unsee it now that I've noticed it. <clears throat> that's actually so true that there was there was a uh, uh, a black cop in one of these, and I was like, oh, I, that's like this is this is new. I think that was what made me notice it. He showed up, and I was just like, wait a second, like exactly. That's I, I thought the same thing. I was like, damn, there's really just not much representation of anybody else other than white people. Which I mean, it's it's the '60s. I mean, it's kind of. I don't think it's inherently necessarily like intentional racism, but it's just kind of like a byproduct of the time. Uh, so that's obviously. Um, one thing that doesn't uh, hold up in modern day. Right. But uh, unless, who knows? I've never been to New York in the 60s, so maybe it was all white people walking around. I don't know. I've never been either, man. Yeah. We'll go. We'll check it out. I was... But uh, Spider-Man beats up some robbers right in front of Matt Murdock. I I love how, and this happens kind of later in the issue, but I'm going to comment on it now. He's like, oh, here's this blind guy. And then later in the issue, he sees him again. He's like, there's that same blind guy. He's setting off my spider sense. And then when Daredevil comes in, he's like, how did he not get hypnotized? He must have had to have been blind. Yeah, I was like, are you... And it's like, it's right there in front of you, bro. Like, I think you could figure this out. Right, not even like, okay, like, obviously it's a comic book. He's not going to be like, oh, it must be Daredevil, because that's going to defeat the purpose of secret identities and stuff like that. So, okay. But then why write that dialogue, though? Right, exactly. Why write that and just make him look so stupid? Yeah, I'm like, come on, bro. Like, you can figure this out. But I love the old school to... Daredevil with the cane, just yeah, swinging cool. around. I, I like the yellow suit. I don't. I don't know why they changed it to red. I bet it's a Hulk thing with inking and stuff like that. Maybe. I can guarantee you. Maybe um, people just didn't maybe, like maybe it I'm, as much. Yeah, maybe. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they just didn't like it. It's rumored they're going to be doing the yellow suit in She-Hulk. It's pretty sick. In the in the Disney Plus series, they're saying Daredevil's going to cool. be in it, and he might have a yellow suit. So. That'd be pretty cool, man. It might be oh, weird, man. though, because Charlie Cox's Daredevil is such a dark character, so it'd be weird to see him in, like, a colorful spandex. 
I might be like a mustard, you know, <clears throat> like a like a like a brown mustard, you know. Uh, uh, that'd be ugly. Um, but uh, let's see. The oh. ringmaster. I don't know how I feel about the ringmaster in this book. So I guess he's well, a ringmaster of a circus, and he can use his hat to hypnotize people. Yeah, and he apparently was from the Hulk. Yes, he's from the Hulk issue. Was it three or something like that? I think it said yeah, issue yep, three. Yep. Now discontinued. Very sad. Mm-hmm. Um, it got recontinued. So. Exactly. Um, <clears throat> so. The big plan for the ringmaster here in his whole circus is to say there's going to be a circus, say Spider-Man's going to be there, attract, attract a bunch of people, hypnotize them, then rob them. Yes. And by the time they are unhypnotized, they'll not know a thing, they won't remember anything, and they'll think they just got all pickpocketed. So that is the master plan going on in this issue. And obviously, Daredevil and Spider-Man are going to foil it. But what's yep. interesting about it is that at some point in this book, Spider-Man actually took a back seat, and Daredevil took up the main role of hero in this book because Spider-Man gets hypnotized by <coughs> the Ringmaster. They actually fight each other, and Daredevil and Spider-Man fight, right? And it uh, that's pretty cool. It's nice to see. Well, yeah, it spotlights Daredevil a little bit. Obviously, they're trying to sell that new book. I mean, they were always using Spider-Man to sell that. He was on issue one, right? Issue one, Electro, <coughs> issue two. Yeah. Um, so they spotlighted him in Spider-Man just to give him some more exposure. Um, I do like how Daredevil, like, respects Spider-Man so much. Because a lot of the other heroes are like, what's this punk-ass kid, you know? Exactly, yeah. And Daredevil's like, oh, this guy actually is not bad. You know, he's doing okay. I do love going back, like, when they first... Like, when Spider-Man was stopping the robbers and Daredevil was, like, sensing everything. He was like, he must have been 17, 5 foot 10. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Yeah, they kind of dive into his, like, I can sense because his pulse is lower than his heartbeat or whatever. He's upside right. down. It's like, oh, okay. Now, obviously, like I said, I don't know about the Ringmaster. <coughs> you know, he was kind of—he's going to be a one-off villain for the most part, I think. In Spider-Man, I don't, I don't, know, if really yeah, I don't know, know if he ever comes back. Um, but it is—it is cool, I guess. He hypnotizes people. I don't think you really see that much. He obviously was in a couple of different, like I said, he was in Hulk. I'm sure he was in a, you know, after this, a couple of different magazines as well. Mm-hmm. But <clears throat> I do love right. how how uh, user-friendly the top hat is. Like Daredevil picks it up, and he's immediately like, "I know how to use this thing." Yeah, well, I mean, of course. You just say what you want, and then if you're holding the hat, then perfect. Magic hat, you know? It's a magic hat, um, magic top hat. The other thing I really noticed in this um, issue, really these five in this um, episode, uh, we're really starting to get the quippy Spider-Man, like the funny, like genuinely funny, yeah. like sarcastic, smart-ass Spider-Man. Like, he seems like he's having fun, and like everybody he's fighting is just under, like a level he's under cocky him. Like he's cocky, and yeah. He's, he's actually being... He's stronger than even most villains he faces at this point. And again, he's facing a lot of villains like for the second time, so that makes sense. But it looked like in this whole issue, like he was just it was a walk in the park, other than getting hypnotized. But, I mean, what are you gonna do about that? Yeah, I just love his like, um, like he's uh, punches like three of the goons, and he's like, "Don't be greedy, boys. Only one punch to a customer." Or he has That's the big good. strong man, and he's like, "Glad to see you've been eating your wheaties, big boy." Like he's just so like he would get under your skin. Dumbbell. A 500-pound uh, barbell he just throws at some random guy, and he's uh, the, the random guy just picks up and, like, hurls, which is, that's impressive. He should be, he should be a, uh, a villain. He's that strong. Yeah. Um, it's cool scenery with the circus <coughs> to see Spider-Man, obviously, you know, jumping and swinging around on uh, trapezes and stuff. I have noticed Steve Ditko's art has gotten a lot better. Yeah, I think, again, I think it's the more popular this book becomes the and it makes sense. It's just the more effort, the more practice, the more effort he's yeah. put in. Yeah, because I've noted like um, when Spider-Man's starting to crawl on walls, now he actually looks good. He doesn't look 
weird like he did in his early appearances. He actually looks really, really cool, especially, I think it's, okay, page 20, it says on this. Mm -hmm. Like, the very last panel yeah. where Spider-Man's looking at, you know, the uh, the guy. Like, he just looks cool. Yeah. Like, he looks good. He's, he's drawn well. He's got it the, the sassy is. on the panel up right. above. He's got his sassy hand on his hip. Oh, yeah, he's very sassy. He's a muscular guy, too, now. He looks like he's getting more muscular in his drawings as well. Under the suit. Beefy. And he's got the blue. Red and blue. That's been for oh, a yeah, while, but... Yeah, it's totally red and blue now, which is nice. But, um... Is that pretty much the end? Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much the end. It's just kind of a small crossover between the two. And I... It, honestly, like, if I was reading this back in the 60s, I would probably go check Daredevil out. Yes, I would. Which is going to be interesting to talk about when we go to Annual 1... Because I have some gripes about the that way they try to... That whole thing is an advertisement yeah. for Marvel. Right, story. exactly. Well, <clears throat> we should say for anybody that hasn't read it. So, right, his plan is to do what I, I said, to hypnotize everybody and rob them. What ends up happening is Spider-Man gets hypnotized, David Ol fights him, unhypnotizes him, then rounds up the, the, the what's his name? Ring guy, ringleader? Ringmaster, whatever, ringmaster. Like, ringmaster. Yeah. And, and, and his goons unhypnotizes everybody and they think they saw the show of their life and everybody goes home yeah no one knew that he saved it that's what you're noticing is spider-man is never getting recognition for his victories and that's kind and of a, a theme we'll see going forward right um because he's a guy who's down on his luck you know he's a guy with problems he's the original down on his luck kid or something like that yeah that's not the right sentence but it's close enough something like that but where would you rate one a scale of 10 <clears throat> How do you feel about this one? Uh, so it was the second book I read. Um, it was fun. I mean, it was cool. And it was to Daredevil again uh, many times with Spider-Man. Uh, Ringmaster was cool. It was a cool setting. How would I rate it? Went through, uh, like a six. I would agree, yeah. It's a cool, like, I would really like to own this cop, uh, issue because it's just yes. a really cool cover. Yes. Uh, it's a cool early Daredevil appearance. Um, reading wise, I mean the story is pretty middle middle tier. It's not anything crazy. It doesn't really progress the the overarching story too much. It's kind of just a one off. Which what I right, really that, liked about a lot of these issues is they really progressed the overall story. Right, and that's that's why I mentioned it's mostly like an action packed issue. That's what it is. Yep. It's, it's <clears throat> Daredevil and Spider Man fighting the Ringleader or the Ringmaster. Um, there's not too much with Aunt May or Betty Brand or anybody like that. That was a little bit, but not much. Not as much as the issues we're going to talk about. They, they dive into it for the rest of this episode, but exactly. Yeah. Uh, before we dive into those, the next comp book in the Spider-Man Mythos is Amazing Spider-Man Annual Number One, the famous first appearance of the Sinister Six. So, as we always do, as collectors, we have to show the book if we have the book. <clears throat> I do not. I do. It's got no cover. <laughs> but how'd you get it? So, um, me and my friend DA here used to, obviously, we, we still collect comic books. Back in the day, a couple years ago, we used to get a lot of, you know, high-end books from a guy named Lee Kirby Dicko Comics. He still does videos here on um, YouTube, if you're watching YouTube. But Shout we used out. to do a lot of deals with him. Shout right? out to homie. And he would used to give us little extras if we bought a big book. Like, And I don't remember if this came with, like, the two I got, like, when I bought the two from him or what. But in... A book that I had bought from him, he added this for free. He he really hooked it up. I mean, if yeah, you I don't, know. go check out Lee Kubidiko Comics on YouTube. I haven't talked to that man in a while, but he really, really, really 
is such a nice guy, and he totally hooked us up back in the day. Right. Last time I talked to him, the, uh, the Broncos won the Super Bowl. It was, I mean, yeah, it was years and years and years. I've been meaning to actually reach, so, uh, John, if you see this, uh, right. hit me up. But uh, I still have the little note that he put in the, in the uh, like, I guess in the in the, uh, sleeve that it was in at the time, saying, like, it's no cover, but it's a great reader copy, and that's what I did. I read it today. Yeah. Or, I mean, it's uh, still cool it to have, night. you know? I mean... Well, no, and I was like, well, I'm interested... Obviously, these books are worth so much. I'm interested in what a cover list would be worth. I don't plan on selling it, but I'm, I'm you know, interested in it. I was like, let me just look on eBay. There's no way there's going to be a coverless one uh, for sale. There was. Buy it now. Uh, $500. Yeah, that man hooked you up. Yeah, I got to send it back to him and be like, listen, I read it. <laughs> I can't take this money away from you, bro. Yeah. Well, something tells me he's doing fine. I don't know if, if, no, yeah. if, if the viewers <laughs> yeah, listening yeah, have yeah, seen yeah. his collection. I think he's doing just fine. Right. Uh, thank right. you. Um, sorry, Reagan refilled my water. I didn't do trying, trying to stay hydrated. Um, exactly. But uh, this issue um, is, as we mentioned a second ago, it's basically one giant advertisement for Marvel's whole line of comics, which is fine. I mean, it's interesting. Yeah, that's, that's, it, it takes away from the story a little bit. It takes away from the story a little bit. It's fine, but they, uh, in a lot of different ways, they didn't do it very well. Um, like, the first one was Thor's and, like, page two, page three, Just I guess. flies past, yeah. He just flies past. And he's like, he flies past, he's like, whoa, it's Thor. And then it's like, Thor also appears in, in this magazine. Um, they did it well, I think, with, damn, who was it? Uh, Doctor Strange was pretty good. Doctor Strange, yeah, Doctor Strange, where they actually, like, showed what he's about a little bit. I mean, Thor was flying with the hammer, you know. Right, but it's like, I mean, uh, you know. My biggest thing that. that I liked about it is it shows, obviously, what Marvel is known for, which is a connected universe. And I feel like right. this reminds everybody, like, hey, it's not just Spider-Man. Like, Thor is also flying around New York. Doctor Strange is also around New York. Like, Iron Man is there. Like, all these characters, it just kind of reminds you that there's a world beyond Spider-Man. Because if you were, like, a brand new comic... I mean, this was before comic books were what they are today. Right, yeah. So back in the day, some person could pick one up off the stands for their kid, and their kid would have no clue what the heck a Marvel is. They'd be like, where's Superman? You know? <clears throat> yeah, and then they'll read this and be like, oh, like, there's other characters in the universe? And that, I mean, I think that if they did this today, it would be corny as crap. But doing it back in the 60s, I think kind of it works. But um, anyway, working through the book. So obviously the theme of this book is Doc Ock breaks out of prison and assembles six of Spider-Man's greatest villains to team up. Uh, Sandman, Craven, Mysterio, Electro, Vulture, and Doc Ock, the OG Sinister Six. Right now, I have to ask you if you had any expectations going into this and if you've read it before. I had not read it before. Okay, did you have any grand expectations of the first meeting of the Sinister Six? I thought they would actually team up. Right, yeah. Seems like a terrible plan. They're like, hey, we all lost to him one-on-one, -on -one, so let's all fight him one-on-one -on -one in sequence rather than team. And Spider-Man even says in the comic, he's like, wow, if they would have teamed up on me, I would have been screwed. Your Doc Ock is, some, is not very smart in this one. Yeah. He's crazy. Green Goblin, Green Goblin <coughs> already tried with the team up. How'd that work out for him? Not very well. Mm -hmm. But, but yeah. anyway. But Thor flies through. I love Thor. Uh, I like collecting Thor comic books. I don't have as much as I do Spider-Man, but it was cool to see him. Uh, I love the old 60s Thor with the wings on the helmet, and he's just kind of corny. But um, It's interesting to see that they got the arms off the doc Dr. Octopus, um, but he still controls them. So it can now be like a free-form thing, his arms. Yeah, like a mental link. You can, right, you can add that to his arsenal, because that could definitely come in handy. And it did, helping him escape from prison. That's, yeah. how, that's how Doc Ock gets out of prison. 
Arms are off of him. They're in like an evidence locker, I guess, and he just controls them to get him out. Mm-hmm. And they don't really explain <clears throat> how the rest of them got out because most of them were in prison, if I'm not mistaken. I think Doc Ock broke. Well, I don't know. You you well, just kind of assume they broke out at some point because literally after this issue, they get arrested, and then I think like two issues later, it like shows a bunch of villains and like they're all out again. Yeah, and I just I mean, uh, Electro <clears throat> I guess got out in issue two, of Daredevil. Oh yeah, yeah. So, because that's I know that was Electro's uh, second appearance, like ever, I think, pretty sure, it was Daredevil two. So I guess that maybe that happens there. Um, <clears throat> Craven wasn't arrested, right? Or was he? I don't remember. Um, he was not. Mysterio was. Mysterio was. Sandman was. Then Vulture was not. I don't think. Uh, he was. He was. Oh, yeah. Damn. All right. But you just kind of assume they get out at some point. I mean, I don't think right. it matters too much, but. Um, now, we so, had said we were going to do this. Well, first of all, I want to comment on Spider-Man further harassing JJ, as always. He is not oh, helping yeah. his case. No. He steals no, his newspaper and then reads it outside. Uh, yes, which, to be fair, I would probably do the same thing. Right, yeah. You know? Whatever, screw him. Antagonize him a little bit. But uh, we had said I, we were going to do this. Go ahead and say what you were saying, and then I'll... completely glossed over one of my favorite parts of this issue is towards the beginning, or yeah, towards the beginning... Uh, the, for the first time, even in Amazing Fantasy 15, for the first time we see Aunt May actually grieve over Uncle Ben. Yeah. And then Spider-Man slash Peter sees that and then loses his powers. Um, which Sam Raimi influence. Sam Raimi influence, of course. <clears throat> we're, um, we're, as we're reading through these comics, we're seeing where Sam Raimi got his inspiration for those movies. We, t- we, we talked I, about uh, issue 7 had a lot of scenes that they did in the movies, uh, and this has him losing his powers due to existential crisis. Especially in issue 18. I have some hot takes about issue 18. I already kind of told you about them over text. Yeah. But anyway, <clears throat> so he loses his powers um, straight up. Which is something he's got to deal with when fighting the Sinister Six. But obviously, you know, once he starts fighting them, he gets his powers back. I mean, so he's kind of dealing with that. He's down in the dumps. He's, like, depressed. Lost his powers. Because it was kind of funny because he was like, I don't want to be Spider-Man anymore. This this, this sucks. And then he lost his powers and he's like, wait a minute. Yes, I do. <laughs> he's like, well, this sucks. Um, um, so anyway, as I was saying, this is the first appearance of the Sinister Six. I right. feel like we got to interject here. And we've talked about this before off uh, off the podcast. What is your perfect Sinister Six of Spider-Man villains? Does not have to be a team that ever existed. What would be your... So, in my opinion, my perfect Sinister Six would be my top six favorite villains. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm going to do. Okay. Not going to make any sense. Yeah. But it does make sense. Okay. When I was a kid, I went over this. <laughs> Okay. You don't think I got this all storyboarded out? You wrote the it comic. Would work. It would work. But it would be difficult. So, obviously, Green Goblin's in there is my favorite ever. Mm-hmm. Um, throw Venom in there. Of course. I mean, I think Venom's number two. I think Doc Ock's number three in terms of, you know, arch nemesis for Spider-Man. I think it's Green Goblin, Venom, Doc Ock. My hot take. Carnage. Venom and Carnage teaming up. <clears throat> wait, I, but wait, there's more. Hobgoblin. <laughs> yeah, this team will Scorpion. not uh, get Scorpion along. Scorpion and Electro. Oh man, I, I was not gonna go that direction at all. 
I would honestly. I did like later in the '90s. Hobgoblin was on the Sinister Six for a while, and I did think that was cool. Um, Obviously, I would have Doc Ock in there as the brains of the operation. Um, Yeah, he really was the brains of the operation in this issue, man. He he is later on, Um, but Sandman. I do like. I just. I've Sandman's really been growing on me as we've been reading these comics. Like issue four, really kind of sold me on him, and like this issue, I don't know. I think he's cool. Uh, Vulture would definitely not be in there. Craven would not be in there. Electro. Uh, honestly, Electro, Mysterio, Sandman, Doc Ock, I do like those four. I would probably swap up, swap out Vulture and Craven for, oh man, so many choices. I mean, obviously Carnage is like my favorite, but he would have to be manipulated in some way to be a part of that team, but I'll say Carnage. He can be like the loose cannon they kind of set off to distract Spider-Man. Um... I w- and I'll say Green Goblin, just because I like Green Goblin, but Green Goblin and Doc Ock would never work together, ever. <coughs> if you see a lot of people doing, like, <coughs> stop motions and stuff like that, they always have those two there, though. And they're always button heads. That doesn't make any story. sense, though, because I feel like they I are, have their egos... Storyboarded. I have it storyboarded. It would have bro. to work, because their egos would clash way too much. I have I have Venom and Carnage working together storyboarded, bro, I got, and I got Hobgoblin and Green Goblin working together. But you're forgetting something. What's that? Norman's on sabbatical, honey. <laughs> That's the point. <coughs> oh, That's why it's happening. God, I love that movie. Anyway, um, so yeah, that, that would be my ideal Sinister Six. So is that your is that your top six favorite, or is that just like you actually um, making sense? Toxic's favorite would be definitely Carnage and Doc Ock. I go back and forth. I mean, Carnage was my favorite growing up. Uh, Doc Ock has kind of been my favorite as I've gotten older and understood the depth of his story a little bit more. Um, I would say Venom is on there, but I just always liked Carnage more than Venom, and honestly, I like Venom more as a hero, um, with, like, Agent Venom and, and everything that Donny Cates has been doing with it the last, um, couple of years. Uh, I always really liked Shocker. Oh! No, 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 no. Take out Green Goblin. Rhino. <clears throat> I loved Rhino growing yeah, Rhino's, up. Rhino's pretty sick. And, and he's the muscle. Right, yeah, exactly. yeah, 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 definitely Rhino. Uh, he's up there. I really want his first appearance. I don't have it. If, uh... If um, I were to make one that made sense, I don't have one off the top of my head, but obviously it wouldn't be two goblins and two symbiotes in the same thing. Now, nah. a goblin and a symbiote would probably be in there, and then I would have to pick <clears> two <throat> more guys. I think Carnage would make more sense than Venom, just because Venom has like some morals, you know? Yeah. Whereas Carnage, they could just be like, hey, do you want to cause chaos? And he'd be like, fuck yeah. Oop. And honestly, Hobgoblin makes more sense. He'd be like, heck yeah, and then they could send him loose on the city and kind of as a distraction or something. Um, and, and Hobgoblin, Hob- too. Yeah. It would make more sense than Green Goblin, yeah. But yeah. Um, where's the fun in all that? Yeah, I mean, yeah, we just sent top six. Uh, maybe, maybe, <clears throat> maybe you know, those clashing. Yeah, it's some super powerful villains, right? But maybe that's what does them in in my storyboarding. Maybe. Um, but going back someone, to this comic, someone, someone give me a budget, please. Going back to this comic, one of my favorite things is the first scene when they're all together and Doc Ock's laying out the plan. He's like, "Everyone, draw a card." This will determine the order in which we fight him. Now, on your cards is a location suited for you. If everyone's drawing a random card, how would everyone's card have a location that's suited for them? It says that on the card it says a location. <laughs> he says, um, we will each draw a number and we will fight him one at a time. In the order of the drawing, I have worked out a detailed scheme which will force him to battle us. Now, draw... Um, and then he says, on each of your cards, I have written a location. It is the place where you will battle our common enemy, and each location is best suited for your particular talents. 
Yeah, they're rushing this book, huh? Because they just didn't put two and two together. Yeah, I don't know if maybe they drew them and then he wrote on them, but that was back-to-back panels, and I was like, wait a second, that doesn't make any sense. Um, Damn, I just killed Alex Robert, bro. But, you know, good good plan, Doc. Not horrible plan. Horrible plan. Especially the whole underwater thing. Like, what was he thinking? Anyway, we'll get there. Um, we see Peter and Aunt May. Aunt May, of course, fussing over him some more. Um... And Peter skips school because he's having existential crisis about his guilt of being Spider-Man. And then we have another cameo, Giant Man and Wasp. <clears throat> yep. Could, could not care less about them. No, me neither. Um, Fantastic Four also is in there. Is that, am I, am I they they were in there when he lost his powers. Yeah, they flew by. <clears throat> yeah, they flew by, didn't care. They were just like, oh, um, look at that guy. Screw him. There's also the X-Men in here. Same thing. It was a one-panel thing. Um, Avengers were in here. Pretty much a lot of these cameos were trying to find where Spider-Man was at when he didn't have powers to, like, go help yeah. Aunt May and, and, and Betty Brant, which have been abducted, by the way. There's so much going on in this book. <clears throat> and Aunt May is so chill about it. Well, because, one, for she's doting, first off. Second, second off, she's got the hot <clears throat> Dr. Octopus, bro. She does, and we'll see where that goes in the future. Which is, well, I don't, you, you don't know about the future. I know about the future. Oh, yeah. Wow, yeah. that's so weird. Why is she... It's weird, right? Crushing over Doc Ock. Yeah, I forgot about that arrangement. Um, of course. But the first fight scene is with um, Electro. And pretty cool. It's like a... that Stark something something. So that's a Stark facility, which is pretty sick, which plays into Iron Man showing up at the end of their battle. Yeah. But one thing that's really, really cool about this first Sinister Six book is each villain gets their one whole page... Of really and good art. Of really good art with them and Spider-Man, and it's really sick. And Electro's is just him getting absolutely mollywhopped Which makes me Spider-Man. very sad, because if I was a kid in the 60s who had no thought in my head about collecting these things, I would have ripped out every single one of those pages and put them up on the wall. Yes. And I bet that's an issue when you're buying annual ones. But uh, the page before the full Electro image, there's another panel that reminds me a lot of that panel that we really liked in Amazing Spider-Man 3. It's Spider-Man with a shock of lightning, and there's red in the background and yellow in the foreground. It's on page 15. Yes, okay. For anyone watching on YouTube, I guess I'll show the, show the camera. This panel. I just love that art. It reminds me a lot it's, of the one from issue 3. It's white in this. What? No oh, it's yellow. Backgrounds. What? Backgrounds, white. Well, for like, my like, digital, it is red, and it looks awesome. I'm pretty sure in the comic it was white as well. Dang, so they really just not, changed he's that. Not, he's not yellow either. He's just white and That's blue. wild. Well, I like what they did with it. I, I wonder what it was originally, but... Um, but, uh, yeah, I noticed that. And then Iron Man shows up. He continues on. He's doing a little scavenger hunt. He gets a card from each villain, moves on to the next one. It's yeah, kind of cute. Yeah, it's a scavenger hunt. Um, and then he fights some freaking leopards in Craven the Hunter pretty right. easily. Like, he really struggled with him last time he fought him. And this time he makes quick. I don't know if he's just getting more experienced. These five issues, he just, like, has no trouble at all. Not yet. And by the way, we talked about we talked about him losing his powers. Once he fights Electro, he immediately realizes that he didn't lose them. He just was, like, so... Psychosomatic. Yeah, psychosomatic. That, Kicks and then back he in. immediately gets them back, which I think is a, a jolt as well, and he's really just 
on the tear. Well, I think what I forget if it was this issue or a different issue. I think it might be issue nineteen. Uh, but I would say you know we've been talking about the arc of each episode, right? Like the first episode was him not really being a hero. Second episode was him starting to figure it out, but still being kind of an amateur. Obviously, last episode was him being more of an actual like selfless hero, and really Betty's arc was kind of the big one last. I think this episode, the arc is really him accepting what it means to be Spider-Man. Right. And he's also starting to, like, excel at it. He's starting to be good at it. But he was struggling. Like, in this issue, he's like, I don't want to be Spider-Man. In, you know, the next couple of issues, he struggles with, like, I shouldn't be Spider-Man. And then, ultimately, by the end of this episode today, uh, with issue 19, he accepts and is like, all right, I have a responsibility. Like, he kind of finally accepts the whole great power, great responsibility mantra. Uh, which I think is kind of the arc we see this issue, but um, he te- he meets up with Human Torch, who immediately goes, "Hey, you want some help?" And you know, you're fighting six villains. Do you want some help? Spider Man goes, "No, uh, or the not. It's my battle." He, says. he goes, "It's personal," which I mean, like I get that, but also, you know, would it hurt to have some help? But I didn't realize how much Human Torch really appears in these early issues. Um, in these five, or I guess there's four issues. He's like in. Like three of them. He was in four of them. He wasn't. Was he in sixteen? Yeah. No, no. 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 He's in annual one. He's in seventeen. He's in eighteen and nineteen. And I don't think he's in nineteen. He's in nineteen too. Well, we'll see when we get there. But I'm pretty sure he is. So. Um. Um. <clears throat> but then the X Men show back much, up. You could tell how much deep down that Human Torch wants to be his friend. Yeah, and he even starts Spider-Man. to say it a little bit. He's yeah. like, "I'm kind of liking this guy." Right. Exactly. Which they do end up well. I wonder if they'll end up becoming good friends. I don't know. I mean, yeah, I we'll have to wait and see. It seems like they're it. Build, spoil it for you. They're really building up to that. I mean, I don't know. So um, he says no to Fla- uh, Flash. He sa- uh, says no to the Human Torch, mm-hmm. and we go back to Aunt May and Betty Brant uh, having some nice tea and some uh, Danishes with uh, Doc Ock. I'm like, Doc Ock is just what a does great Aunt host. May think this is? I don't. Right, I don't think she realizes this entire issue <laughs> that she's been kidnapped. She's doting, dude. I don't know. She's just so doting in this in this in this issue. She's literally just say. like, oh, T, yeah, we're here for. And I'm like, what? He's so handsome. He's got mechanical arms that are like, or were fused to his body. Like, this, she, I know she reads the news. She knows what's going on. <clears throat> yeah. She must know who this guy. She doesn't know who he is somehow. I don't know. And Betty Brandt doesn't tell her. Like, listen, he kidnapped me. Like. <clears throat> twice yeah or once and we're like actively kidnapped right now he tries to but she's like how are you so calm it's like i don't know it's um, such good manners but the next villain that he fights is the x-men just kidding it's actually mysterio uh, yeah. using some animatronic x-men which is interesting some real real wizard of oz stuff going on here spider-man senses him behind a fake wall smashes through it finds mysterio almost and- burns his note Almost burns his note, but again, within one big page, as we were talking about, mm-hmm. and then a couple other panels, he's he's done with him. Yeah, like he absolutely quick work steamrolls. Yeah, through through Mysterio, um, and uses his spider sense to pretty much decode Braille here. <clears throat> yeah, and immediately after, probably one of my favorite moments uh, from this issue, we see J. Jonah Jameson's descent into madness as he starts mm-hmm. talking to a spider. Actually laughing. I was actually laughing. This is like, like <laughs> he's like, well, if Ant Man can do it, you can imagine being Stanley and Steve Ditko, like writing these books, and like it, I feel like that is more for them. 
You know what I mean? They're trying to have a good laugh. Like, they probably find this funny. <clears throat> yeah. I find it funny. I think it's great. I know. I do, too, but... There's definitely, I think, a, a part of them that was like, this is this is for us. We're going to put this in there. Make, it, make ourselves laugh. Now, speaking of making quick work of villains, Sandman gets absolutely demolished in, like... Well, no, he, he doesn't even get demolished. He totally, completely screws up in about five seconds. Sandman should be upset. Yeah. And again, I think this is probably also Doc Ock's doing. I'm guessing Sandman didn't make that little trap. Probably not, no. So, again, Doc Ock absolutely dropping the ball in terms of planning. He made it so sealed tight that you can't even breathe in it. I just love how this victory over Sandman had nothing to do with Spider-Man actually triumphing. It's literally just like, oh, you messed up. Yeah, you messed up. Like, I can breathe longer than you can, and this cage, the trap that we're in, um, is seal tight that now you can't breathe. So you're exhausted. You can't breathe. I'm out. Yeah. Well, no. And I love the, the pace of this issue. Kind of cutting back and forth between, like, Spider-Man fights a villain. We see J.J. devolve further into madness. It shows Betty and Aunt May. Then it cuts back to Spider-Man. Like, you're kind of following all these. Like, once again, we have another three panels of J.J. just absolutely losing his mind. I do. We are really doing good with these five issues <clears throat> a, 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 an episode because it really seems like five issues there stands always like starting to develop something like he's planning ahead to a certain extent because jj's slowly going into madness which will like really really at, at climax issue next issue yeah well or issue 20 really with the <clears throat> scorpion right? or ne next yeah next episode um well who's scorpion so, i haven't read that He's this guy, he's like a scorpion. <laughs> okay. You, well, I see. guess I'll see, see you next you month when issue 20 comes out. Yeah, JD, like, <clears throat> listen, you'll see. Yeah. Um, you'll see a little bit of him in issue 19. But, uh, or. Oh, yeah? Well, I don't know who that guy is, but... Uh, anyway, fighting the Vulture. Um, this is the only guy who actually almost beats him. But he yeah. still kind of screws up. Yeah, he screws up, too. Um... I love the he puts oil he puts oil on like what seems to be a very it's like a chimney or something I don't know what the hell that is yeah um and then flaps his wings really hard to bring a gust of wind to to then have Spider-Man slip really great really real classic nineteen sixties type of uh, kind of like slapstick like yeah, slapstick yeah. stuff yeah um <clears throat> these damn lassos and these damn ropes if I see another lasso in the, in a book again. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lose my mind. Vulture tries to uh, <coughs> lasso Spider-Man. Again, he screws up, ends up getting his, himself lassoed, and defeated at the end of the day. Yep, another another beautiful full-page uh, panel. Yeah, he's got, he's got a big old hump on the back of his neck, huh? Yeah, my guy needs to see a chiropractor. Yeah, he is really old. Yeah. And yet somehow he stays around for, well, maybe he'll stay around for a long time. I keep, you know, I'm I'm somehow seeing glimpses into the future. I don't know how I'm doing it. But... Well, you're just like, you're thinking about what may happen. Yeah, yeah. You're interested. Um, JJ continues losing his mind. Uh, Aunt May continues being completely fine. Uh, Aunt May is the definition of that meme with the dog sitting at the table and everything's on fire. And it's just like, oh, everything's fine. But I think that dog knows everything's on fire and she's just trying to play it cool. I think Aunt May just doesn't even know. She doesn't smell the smoke. Like, she's just like... Yeah. This is great. And Aunt May is more like uh, Stan Lee in The Amazing Spider-Man 1 when he's in the library exactly, exactly. and everything's just happening around him. He's just like, uh, you know, like <laughs> completely no idea what's going on. Um, but 
Spider-Man finally finds his way to Doc Ock and Betty Brant and Aunt May in a castle. <clears throat> cool. Which is an interesting setting, right? Yeah, they literally and said that then... they moved this castle brick by brick from a different country because America famously does not have castles. Right. Um, so, interesting. They were like, we need a castle for this scene. And someone was like, Stan, there's no castles in America. And he was like, no, no, no. It was imported brick by brick. Into New York City. Yeah. I don't know. Makes sense. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Continuing, it's a cool Doc set Ock. piece. Yeah. Yes, of course. We're just we're just being assholes. So, fighting Doc Ock. Doc Ock uses the uh, the whole unable to detach his arms to his advantage. So, Spider-Man's pretty much fighting the arms in some of these panels, while Doc Ock just is like, let's <clears> go, <throat> cheering on his arms and telling him what to do. Uh, I do forget sometimes that when Doc Ock takes these punches like he is just a dude yeah like, so he's getting knocked he's he's getting really knocked around and staying up so i mean honestly impressive although my man's got some muscles he goes with the sleeveless shirt i thought he's kind of ripped he, he, he must have really he's done not as, some work in not as tubby as you think he is my my guess is that when he was in jail he just started going i mean what else are you gonna do i guess yeah but uh, his ultimate plan is to drop Spider-Man in a vat of water and then go in with scuba gear. A straight up fishbowl. This is a terrible idea. But it's not even a tub of water. It's a fishbowl. It's a glass fishbowl. Yeah. Huge glass fishbowl. Drops I mean, him in and says, just like my name, I'm going to yeah. you know, go with that. Yeah, they're they're, they're kind of leaning into the octopus thing. Like, understandable. But it's different. It's different. Like it. It's just weird. Not not so. not the Doc Ock that I like. And Peter beats him pretty easily. He just sprays his webs um, and gunks him up. And then he uh, saves Betty and Aunt May. And they uh, uh, head home. And it's a happy ending. You see all the villains just chilling in jail. Right. All together. All together. Which a lot of them have superpowers. So I don't know like, what's keeping Sandman from just like sneaking away or electro from absolutely shocking that guard <laughs> yeah but uh it'd be like that so that is the first annual uh there's a bunch of other stuff in the back of the book i didn't really i mean they just have some spotlights on all the villains so far um, i read it i read them is there a backstory like a second story so, oh there's yeah, the so... secrets of it's all his powers yeah so obviously this book is kind of to introduce new readers to spider-man and also to all of his villains and all of the other marvel characters uh, so yeah, there's a dedicated one page and a little bit of a read up to every single villain up until this point from Amazing Spider-Man or Amazing Fantasy 15 to issue 15, from the Burglar to Craven. Uh, there's also a story, The Secrets of Spider-Man, where it goes through pretty much it says answering a bunch of people's questions and explaining his powers, his family, uh, uh, layout of his house, yeah, um, which uh, everyone needed, of course. Uh, guest star page like they obviously threw in some fun stuff in here uh obviously i mean we talked about the full panels in the book uh this is just more pages that i feel like people probably ripped out and put so on their there's wall. a right so i want to actually talk about that so <coughs> there's no cover to this but it actually the book inside is actually in really good condition the front is a little bit browning that makes sense there's no cover right mm -hmm. but the inside is probably like off white to white pages it's pretty nice and you had mentioned the pinup that's on here, the guest star page, and it's like, for your Marvel scrapbook, we present a pinup. The pinup is in there. Nice. But yeah. I didn't realize, to when I went back, there's a page missing, and it's the page that says Peter Parker as Spider-Man, and it has him on the wall. That's not in the, my book. Mm. 
So they gave some little crapper the idea for a pinup. He didn't like that pinup. He said, let me rip this page so out So many, so many pages in this book. And then probably also rip the damn cover off. Yeah. <laughs> That's where, yeah, I feel like as a collector, I mean, I don't have an annual one whenever I do get around to buying one. Uh, I feel like I'm going to really have to uh, prioritize... Yeah, yeah. Um, one that's complete in there but um and then there's one last two page three page comic that i actually really really enjoyed it's how stan lee and steve dicko create spider-man and it's like a little comic um with stan lee getting an idea waking up dicko and all this stuff and then you like make it seem like they hate each other which i was seeing and it's like they, they said like oh you know all jokes but we realized that it probably wasn't jokes it's, at it's, all. it's like kind of true it's kind of true um and I actually, a lot of this was funny. Like, I don't know if you read it, but I was laughing. Like, I did not if you didn't, it. I think you should actually go back and read it. It's actually funny. <laughs> I will. I will go back. I, I find it actually, I was actually laughing. It was pretty cool to see. So yeah. I, I did read those. Yeah, for anyone who is not comic nerds like us, Stanley and Steve Ditko, the co-creators of all of these comics we've been reviewing, um, kind of had a big falling out. Kind of didn't get along very well. I think Steve did not like how Stan got all the credit for all of the characters. That's why a lot of the time nowadays you see people credit both of them equally, uh, very intentionally, because uh, obviously they co-created the character. But And also the uh, the letter guy is in here, S. Rosen? Oh, yeah. He's in that little issue, comic <clears throat> issue as well. Nice. So, a little spotlight on that. I, I like to think that it was literally just those three guys, like, in an office in New York. Whereas, like, nowadays you think of Marvel and they have, like, 50 people on staff making, like, 100 different comics. And it probably was only, like, a, like a, I mean, not three people, right? But there's probably only, like, 10, 15 people in that office. I mean, think about it. Working for Marvel in the 60s, names that I can think of. I mean, there's the uh, S. Rosen, Stan Lee, Steve Dicko, Jack Kirby, the publisher, Martin Goodman. Um, and I Probably think, I, th I think they had a receptionist. I, I forgot her name. Um, yeah, 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 but I remember reading a book about Marvel back in the day and they had, so it was like six, seven people. Yeah, it was not much. Um, which is crazy to think that like now one of the, one of the largest cinematic universes or the largest cinematic universes as byproduct of those like seven people working in an office. Uh, but also what, this is kind of a tangent, but I was seeing this the other day, uh, the Marvel comic book universe is the largest work of fiction in human history. Makes sense. Because, like, so many, technically so many all of the comics are one part of this, like, big work right. of fiction telling the story of the Marvel Universe. And the amount of pages, the amount of story, like, it is the largest, bigger than, I mean, obviously it's bigger than, like, other big stories that come to mind, like Lord of the Rings and all those other ones. Um, right. So that's kind of crazy. That, that all kind of started is. with Stan and Steve and Jack and all those guys back then. But... Uh, diving into the next issue. This one... I got a lot to talk about towards the end of this. I but. think, I mean, I know we usually wait for the end to say our favorite. I think 17 was probably my favorite issue this week. Oh, I skipped, I skipped right to 18. Jesus. Oh my gosh. You can't skip Look. 17. 17 is the first proper Green Goblin, in my opinion. You're right. And speaking of, skip speaking of collecting, I don't have the first appearance. I do have the second appearance. We talked about this last uh, episode. This was when you bought your 15. Uh, I bought this 17. That was our compromise because uh, we both really wanted the 15. It's a little beat up. My copy, some kid, like, scribbled on it with a pen and, like, outlined the lines of Green Goblin. So there's, like, indents on him and Spider-Man has, like, pen all over him. But from a distance, it looks it looks pretty solid. So. Mine's actually pretty solid. Again, issue seventeen was not 
much at all back in the day when we were collecting. It was like <clears throat> not even almost probably hundred dollars, not even. I think I got this for probably like seventy five. Yeah. Yeah, like that's inc- like it's which is the same yeah. same same time as you got your fifteen for whatever. Right. The um, uh, eighty five. But the only problem with mine is like I think that's Liz. Like her face just like scratched out. I guess some kid hated her or something. <laughs> He's like, stop but... trying to take him from Betty Brant. <laughs> did you actually read it from this? I did not because I was reading in bed sick. I was like, I thought I started reading it and I was like, oh wait, I have seventeen. I should read it, but I want to get up. So I just kept going. Right. But I'm gonna start with the next uh, next. Ep- well, I don't. Yeah, I have a few from the next episode, so I'll start there. Um, but this is obviously the second appearance of Green Goblin. Uh, this is the first time he has the glider, the pumpkin bombs. You know, the whole. There's a couple different other things that I don't think really show up much uh, moving forward. The like sparkly fingers. Frog. Sparkly fingers. <laughs> the little frog. Little frog, little ghost. The bat things do stick around. Yeah, obviously very Halloween themed. Of course, yes. Uh, <clears throat> continuing the mystery of his identity. Mm-hmm. So it does start off with the guy in the brown suit, which left off in issue fourteen. Which I know you don't know who he is. Yeah, I mean, anyone else? Do. If I had to guess, I would say J. Jonah Jameson. Realistically, if you had to guess, who would you say it is? J. Jonah, Jonah Jameson. Jameson. Although he has the brown suit, and I think next issue Ned Leeds first appears, and Ned Leeds has the brown suit, so I would immediately suspect that guy as well. I'll tell you this: it's actually uh, Norman Osborn. Who? Oh, I guess we'll get to that. Yeah, 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 we haven't got there. No spoilers, man. Well, by the time we get to that, you'll forget. That's true. Um, But, yeah, they're keeping a secret uh, identity. Harry uh, Osborn's dead. Oh, yeah. Yeah, what the... Oh, Harry doesn't come until college, I think, right? Uh, I assume, you know. Um, How the hell did you know that? But, uh, anyway, Flash is starting the Spider-Man fan club. Uh, Let's go. And immediately after that, Spider-Man goes to stop some caped robbers going into a helicopter. But wait, it's actually a movie set. So, um, this starts a little three-issue, at least as we know right now, a little three-issue arc of Spider-Man absolutely unable to do anything correctly. (laughs) That and Peter Parker himself. Yeah. Like, he cannot catch a break at all. Everything he tries to do for good ends up hurting him in a different way. Yada, yada, yada. Classic stuff. But it really, they really go hard in these three issues with that. To the point where it makes him question doing this at all. Yeah. Yeah. And this, um, and that's kind of, like I said, the arc is him kind of accepting that. Um, cause this is obviously him screwing up and everyone's like, oh, look at Spider-Man. What an idiot. Um, and obviously JJ gets a good laugh out of him, but Peter's, you know, he's, he's shrugging it off. He's like, all right, it's a little frustrating, but I'll, I'll be okay. Um, and then, uh, Liz, I love, this is probably one of my favorite scenes when Liz and Flash show up when Peter is walking Betty home and Betty and Liz are like super catty towards each other. Dude, I was like, I literally, I was reading this and I literally had to throw my head back and like take a second. When it was, she was like, "Looks like you gained some weight." Putting on some weight, Liz says to Liz says to Betty mm, Brand, "Putting on some weight, aren't you, Miss Brand?" Oh my God! That, that Holy moly! Burns, and then the art of her face, just like ah. Oh. And then uh, what is it? I love her. The blonde boy stealer wants the world to know how rich she is. Which, like, okay, here's the thing. I know that Betty's like the main love interest right now. Okay, I just don't. Betty doesn't do it for me. I like Betty. If I were she's, if I were reading this back in the sixties, I would probably say Liz over Betty. I'm, t- I'm team Liz. Priorities straight. She's wife and material. Yeah, but she's also she's kind of not. like 
a little bit right. crazy possessive. Oh, no, fully. But Literally, Liz just shows up and she's like, Peter is cheating on me. Well, also, Liz is like, in an in a issue in the future, Flash is mad at Liz <clears> and then he's like, I'm not mad at you anymore. And then he's like, well, I'm mad at you now because you were mad at me. So I really don't know which one is it's the better of two evils, I guess. Yeah. But. I mean, obviously, neither is the one, but... Um... No, he keeps trying. They, Aunt Major keeps trying to like get in on this blind date with this lady named uh, MJ. Yeah, Mrs. Watson's niece. Yeah, she's probably ugly. Um, probably yeah, straight out of a horror movie. Although I did, I don't know if you noticed, but uh, in the next issue, uh, she calls her Mrs. Watkins. Yeah, I noticed that the entire issue, and I was like, that's that's not correct. That's not it. Um, I was actually thinking like, is it different? I don't understand. For a second, I was like, is it a different person? But then she showed up. She was like Anna, and I was like, no, no, Anna Watson. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. right. Uh, but you know, whatever. Um, but yeah, I love this scene has a lot of just comedic gold. I mean, the scene with Betty and uh, Liz is obviously hilarious, and then the scene where Aunt May is like setting up the blind date, and he's like, "Oh, she's sick." No, 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 she's sick. Like we can't like just all of his reactions, and then being like, "Oh no, she should stay home." No, oh, it's fine. Like trying to get out of this date so badly. They they really set up MJ like. Early. It took literally, I think it was like years until like, yeah, obviously full appearance. Yeah, forty two. Is yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, they're really setting that up early. So I can't wait to see this Miss Watson's niece. You'll see her legs and stuff soon, I think. Weird, but all right. Yeah. Um. Oh yeah, I didn't. <laughs> um. You get what you get, man. You get what you get with these books. See your legs. That's gonna be it for you. Yep. Now. A lot of, in the first half, a lot of dialogue between our supporting characters. And, uh, again, J. Jonah Jameson continuing to go into madness. Because he doesn't like that his... So, I guess, the Spider-Man fan club is getting an ad in his paper. Yeah. I don't know how he let that happen. Well, apparently he's not happy that he did, because um, he's almost immediately he, he's starting. We're seeing JJ's supervillain origin right now because he's literally like, "I'm gonna put a damper on that club." I was like, "Whoa, what are you gonna do, man?" Like, he's gonna put a damper on that club. Like, what? Are you, what is this man out to do? You know, he's gonna hurt somebody. So Flash Thompson and and, and Liz set up like a dinner party esque uh, for the club mm-hmm. where Spider Man is asked to join. Yeah, and uh, Flash is so certain that he's a good guy that he will show up because he's going to see it in the newspaper. And he's definitely going to show up. Um, there's a little bit of a side thing where Betty thinks that, like, Betty wants to go to this like party or whatever you want to call it, club, yeah, uh, meeting with Peter, but Peter doesn't invite her because he can't be Spider-Man if he's with her, mm-hmm. so he doesn't invite her. And this is one of those times where he tries to do the right thing or he has something he needs to do, but it then it ends up does something he needs to do for Spider Man, ends up squandering something for Peter. Well and then he ends up having is... to cover his secret identity with Liz, and that is what ultimately gets him in trouble. And this issue kinda ends the whole Betty Peter romance. Uh, but uh, I was interested in seeing how it ended and it was very realistic. Kinda just fizzles out. Yep. But Green Goblin shows up, starts messing with Spider Man, and everybody thinks it's an act. Right, I don't know how. <clears throat> Which I mean, I guess, but it's an interesting fight. I like it. It's it's enjoyable action. I like how everyone is just kind of there and Liz Liz very 
the wording is pretty, it's like, oh, I've never seen Peter and Spider-Man at the same time. Like, that's quite the conclusion to, to come to, given yeah, again, given how little you've seen him. But Again, I get why you're going to say something like that. Like, or I get why she's not going to be like, oh, it must be Peter, because then, like, all right, well, then I'm going to deal with that. But then, I don't know why you put the dialogue in that. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, that creates the problem for Spider-Man of, like, oh, no, I need to go and become right, Peter. Yeah. And so then Human Torch shows up, and he goes and quick swaps and is like, hey, Liz... And that is when Betty sees him, and he is in trouble. Because Betty ended up going with, with JJ. Jameson. Yeah. So that's how she ends up going, and seeing Peter having his hair getting all touched up by, by Liz. Because Peter's hair is messed up by the mask he was wearing. Mm-hmm. Which is, uh, that's a fun little thing. I like that. Yeah. Shows you some more realistic problems, I guess. Little 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 tiny things that you can come <laughs> come across when wearing a uh, spandex suit. Yeah, and uh, yeah, so that pretty much, that moment pretty much ends Betty and Peter because she is convinced that he is in love with Liz uh, and cheating on her. Although he, I'm pretty sure he even said earlier in the issue that he has a girlfriend, so obviously he considers Betty his girlfriend. He does, yeah. Really, he says, I've really got a girlfriend. Like that. Yeah, I mean, they seem pretty casual, but he says, I've got a girlfriend, so I don't know. Um, but... Uh, Betty goes and cries, Peter goes and changes back into Spider-Man, and he starts fighting Green Goblin. Now, for some reason, <clears throat> the owner of the business gets a call saying, where's Peter Parker? Aunt May has had a heart attack. Why anyone would be calling this place, I don't know. Did he tell Aunt May that he was going to this? I don't think so. Yeah, but, I don't know, awfully convenient, but obviously he immediately goes, okay, I need to leave, uh, and that is pretty much the pivotal moment for the next two issues is he runs away, uh, which means Green Goblin gets to get away, so we still don't know his identity, but also everyone uh, now thinks that Spider-Man is a coward. Also, another Human Torch appearance kind of fights Green Goblin with Spider-Man, Spider-Man runs away, and then Human Torch straight up just a fight with the Goblin, <clears throat> and it ends up with Green Goblin getting away. Yeah. So... Jane Joan Jameson says, this, this is it. This is my big break. Spider-Man is a fraud. Everyone, everyone's going to know I'm right, and that's pretty much what happens. He prints it in the paper. Everybody believes JJ, obviously. Well, I, I might be getting ahead of myself a little bit. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what are you talking about? That's, the, people, that's you, the next issue. I haven't, uh... Even the people there. So immediately, JJ is happy about it. He knows what he's going to do. Let's say that. And then in the last page of the issue, everyone there is already saying, like, He's turned yellow, which, first he's, off, he's first time over hearing that type of thing. Spider-Man has turned yellow, straight up yellow. And uh, immediately Flash is like, there's no way. There had to be a good reason. Come on, we're the Spider-Man fan club. And everyone's like, forget about your fan club. Did you just see what happened? He's he a ran coward. Away. He's a coward. He's turned yellow. And that's pretty much where we ended, where he is <clears throat> sprinting to Aunt May. He gets to Aunt May, so Aunt May had a heart attack. She needs an operation. Her health has not out. been good in these first 20 issues. No. It is not. We find out that she will need a, a operation, at least, or she had an operation. Yeah. Uh, I would rate this issue 8 out of 10. I would say I would give that an 8 out of 10 as well. I love how it ends with like him pretty much like, I always must pay for being Spider-Man. Like He's like just like, everything I tried to do well as you know, this responsibility of being a hero just is wrecking my personal life completely yeah and that brings us to a very interesting issue 18 where there 
ends up being no fighting in the whole issue. There's not one fight. Yeah, no. There's attempts at fights, obviously, but there's no actual fight in this issue, which is really, really cool. Uh, yeah, it's a lot of like plot development, things like that. Um, obviously, starts off with J. Jonah, biggest grin on his face ever as he's publishing Spider-Man, a coward. Uh, he is very happy. <clears throat> and then this what is what I was talking about. It shows all of the villains reacting. Uh, and both Craven and Vulture look like they're out of prison. So right, yeah, they, yeah, they, they done they, escaped they in the last like issue. But then Doc Ock is still in prison. Yeah. I don't know. Because if do he was out 18? of prison, he would be here. I do not have 18, no. I, don't I almost bought I one recently. Because I want to get every single Amazing Spider-Man issue that has Green Goblin in it from... 14 to 122 Mm -hmm. even the cameos so 18 is a big one because there's a lot of green goblin mentioning and uh i guess you could say cameos or little uh, yeah he's right there on page two and splash page yeah and he's talked about throughout the issue because the big thing is that he ran away from the green goblin yeah this issue kind of deals with the aftermath of last issue which was really refreshing to see because so far the book has mostly been a bunch of one-offs um but now we're starting to get into that kind of continuous story that i think makes comics so good so you do see a lot of the uh, four of his villains reacts: Green Goblin, Doc Ock, Craven, Vulture. I love that little Green Goblin, like with his hands out, smiling, like I have defeated him. I did it. My f- first one to make Spider-Man run away. He says he'll be world famous. That's my boy, bro. World famous, Green Goblin. His motive. See... His motive doesn't make any sense to me, though. It does. You will see in issue twenty-three. You'll see his real motive. I know that hasn't released for you in your world yet. Yeah. But you'll see in issue 23 really what he's going for. All right. Just trust me. You gotta get stay along for the ride. Now, <clears throat> even though his motive's already like, he's like, he's crazy. He's a crazy man. He's yeah, obsessed yeah. with this guy now. That's I mean, obviously, yeah. Um, but we see Mrs. Yeah. Watkins coming over to help take care of Aunt May. Well, also, we, so we see the villains react. We also see, like, every Marvel hero react. Yeah, and I like I like Daredevil's reaction. He was like, "When I last saw Spider-Man, my instincts told me he was a a, a good fighter. How can my super sharp senses of Daredevil have been so wrong?" So he's like upset. I was like, "Damn, that one hurt a little bit." Yeah, he didn't even think for a second. Like, oh, I don't know. I I got a vibe from him that he was. He's just immediately like, "Well, I guess I was wrong." Like, I guess I was wrong. How could, man, how could be so wrong? The, the power of fake news, you know. J. Jonah Jameson is peaking right now. He is at the top of his game. He's got. Uh, Daily Bugle, what looks like a Daily Bugle truck with the, uh, an ad on it. Uh, J. Jonah Jameson exposes Spider-Man, the myth. There's yeah. disarray going on. He's on, on I TV. Believe, I believe this issue and all this kind of takes the course over a month, I think, because each issue says, like, oh, last month this happened. Mm-hmm, yeah. And it was... So I'm pretty <clears> sure it's been a month since 17. So, like... He's been caring for Aunt May, yeah. She, what, she had her since, operation and... It wasn't like one day and all of a sudden like JJ is like has all these ads and he has a you know he's on TV and this and this it was it built up I guess over a couple of days and weeks. Spider-Man even tries to go make money for Aunt May's medicine because he's running out of medicine. Obviously he's broke by uh, going to some guy that makes like athlete uh, athlete cards and the guy wants nothing to do with him because he says he's washed up. Yeah, calls Spider-Man washed up. Blows smoke in his face. Right up gangster though. Rude. But this is an important moment. Peter sees some robbers on the roof of a jewelry store. 
And he goes, all right, I should break this up. But then he hesitates. And he says, no, if I were to die, who would take care of Aunt May? I can't fight crime anymore. And this is where he's starting to consider quitting being Spider-Man. Right. Because he needs to take care of Aunt May. She's doting and she's, she's not in good health. Have you learned nothing in the last 18 issues, Peter? With great power comes great responsibility, but he will learn that. But I was I was going to say, I actually, I don't know, again, you know, sometimes I think we do read too much into the early issues because I don't think there's as much of, you know, depth to everything as we sometimes make it out to be. But I do like how it seems like it's taking him a while to learn his lesson because it's very realistic. Sometimes something happens and you'd be like, oh, okay, this is how it is. And then you do it again. And you're like, damn. Like, I gotta get myself straight, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's a very realistic thing that, you know, you don't always learn your lesson the first time. It might take one or two fails or or yeah. things happening to you get things straight. That's true. So I, I kind of do like that. Um, this issue, he also is trying to call Betty to patch things up. She's not answering. It recaps the annual one. So it's kind of him reminiscing on the events of that. Yep, everybody's listening to their uh, Webheads Comp Club issue uh, episode four for the review on what's happened. Yep, yep, yep. Um, but uh, he's starting to get pissed off. I mean, JJ is kind of gloating in his face, and he is uh, getting mad. You can see his face. JJ has the biggest smile, and Peter has the biggest scowl. Uh, he's trying to figure something out. He goes to try to sell his web fluid to you know, work as an adhesive, but it dissolves so it doesn't really work as a great adhesive just can't get um, a break he's like i can make it permanent but it's gonna take months in the lab and he doesn't have time for that he needs the money now sandman's arrives yes he bumps into sandman broke out of jail broke out of jail <clears throat> bumps into sandman running away from him because he can't risk losing to him and aunt may being by herself and obviously everybody catches this and he's like this is just doubling down on, on him being a chicken yeah for everybody so just you can't get a, catch a break i mean imagine running into sandman uh, during these times jj he's gonna break his mouth smiling so hard um every panel with jj just has the biggest grin on his yeah, face so good and you can see like there's that one panel on uh or a big kind of long panel on, on page 14 mm-hmm. and you can see on the corner like he is like peter parker's just pissed like everything that's going on kind of recapping it to himself and he's like this is just the whole city the whole probably whole world he says thinks he's a coward and as long as Aunt May remains seriously ill there's nothing he can do about it so like he just needs to deal with this like he just like he has a responsibility to Aunt May where he cannot risk getting hurt himself or, or being killed yeah and uh we start to see Johnny Storm simp for Spider-Man a little bit he's like oh there must be more to this I'm gonna go find him uh, and he tries to meet up with him, but Spider-Man stands him up. Yep. And then Which, uh, for the second, we don't see. Go ahead. We don't see like Peter or Spider-Man like. Oh wait, no, a message from Human Torch, but can't go. Oh, I didn't. Like, ha, somehow we skipped that. Yeah, he says meet me at our place, and he's like, "Well, I can't do that." Yeah, you can't do that, right? Um, but then it's immediately still- after that, for probably, what, the second or third time, we see Flash donning a Spider-Man costume, because that always goes well. Always goes well. He wants to prove <clears throat> didn't, to Didn't learn his lesson last time. Right, he wants to prove to everybody mocking him and making fun of him, saying Spider-Man is a coward, when Flash Thompson is, is sticking up for Spider-Man, and then immediately bullying, or <laughs> being an asshole to, to Peter, which is always a, a, a fun little thing. 
-hmm. But um, he's like, I'm going to prove everybody, prove to everybody that Spider-Man's not a coward. So he goes to fight a bunch of uh, criminals, car thieves, and he gets his uh, butt kicked. Yep, his head rocked. And I love uh, some of the art on page 18. Uh, Flash's face when he's, like, delirious. Uh, and then Peter's face around the corner. He's like, whoo! He's, like, he's wiping his head. Really expressive faces. I think Steve because he was going, he was going to save him with no suit on. Yeah, like he was just and so that running been, in. That would have been it for the identity. And the police came in the nick of time, and he was like, I almost... That was almost it. Yeah. I almost completely gave away my identity. Um... And in the same page, we see Flash, Tom, Flash Thompson's big old eye swollen and getting punched. And uh, it, it seems like in these issues, you know, Peter will say even one word to Flash, and it, it's like immediate a 10 of, of anger with Flash. Like, he is just That's, totally that's how bullies are, character. you know? It's 0 to 100 right away. Right. But it's just like, just stay out of my way. And he's like, I was like, listen, I hear, stay out of my way. Like, you're a chum. Yeah. All right. So Peter calls him a chum, I guess. Yeah. Peter. Um, Peter. Peter throws it back, but no, he always throws he it does back. try he, to be nice to him, but uh, and then as if Peter was not already down on down bad enough, uh, he sees Betty with another man, but he's mm -hmm. kind of a gentleman about it though. No, he's really cool. Both of them are really cool, and we find out who it is. I think next issue. Just we find out who it is next issue, and that's when he's like really kind to the guy. I mean, he's not like a jerk about it to Betty. Um, but uh, this is when he decides to quit being Spider-Man. He says, "I'm done being Spider-Man," and then Aunt May gives him a pep talk. Classic so, Aunt May pep talk. I want to talk <clears throat> about how I feel about this whole end of this issue, like the whole last couple pages. So. Peter comes home after seeing all that, and he's like, he's just straight up depressed on what's going on. He's kind of recapping to himself his problems. He comes home, he puts, he rips off the Spider-Man, he talks to Aunt May real quick. He rips off the Spider-Man suit, he puts it in, is that like a like a laundry bag, right? Yeah, yeah, something like that. And he puts it in a laundry bag, it looks like a white bag. He crushes it up, and then he throws it in the hamper. Or is that the trash? Uh, I think it's the trash. It looks like a hamper, but I will say it's trash. Um, so he crumples it up in, in a bag, throws it in the trash, and then he goes to sleep. Okay. The next morning he wakes up. Aunt May is no longer in her wheelchair. She's walking around. She's got she her whole attitude has changed. She's gone from like recovering, feeling a little bit better, but recovering to standing up. And she's you can see she's waving her hands around. There's like these little like lines around her head. Like she's it just seems like she's in a tizzy. Um, she's like, nonsense, I'm feeling better. You, you don't want me to uh, want to make uh, an invalid of me. What the hell? The yeah, weird, weird wording, yeah. 1960s. <clears throat> um, she's kind of like mad at Peter almost. And then she gives him a big old pep talk. Um, the doctor comes in, says she's in great health. She doesn't need uh, any more medicine. And then Peter gets this big jolt of, of you know, uh, this big rejuvenation. He... he takes the, the the costume uh out of the trash rips open the bag he puts back on the spider-man suit and he's like this is what i'm gonna do i'm a spider-man you know this is me whatever whatever and may knows we did say we were gonna try and see when she figures it out and i think it's now <clears throat> i do i think stanley wrote it that way Maybe. no 
But he may have though. I it's think like so I think he perfect. was just like, okay, Peter needs a pep talk to get back into so it. So perfect. He man. wanted to do the fake out of like he quits, but then Ame gives him a pep talk and he's back in it. I think ca- canonically, this could be when she figures it out. Yeah. Because listen, he goes, he, he throws it in the trash. The next panel is immediately the next morning. We don't see him going to bed. We don't see Aunt May going to bed. I think Aunt May saw the bag in the trash, looked in it, saw the suit, and knew. I mean, this is the moment that I was kind of talking about where he finally kind of... He doesn't actually say the whole with great power, great responsibility thing, but he says, you know, I'll fight as I've never fought before. Nothing will stop me now, for I know at last that a man can't change his destiny, and I was born to be Spider-Man. Like, he's kind of accepting that he's Spider-Man. He's accepting that, like, this is going to be my life now. There's going to be challenges, but that's what I have to do. Um, And like we said, this whole thing is just like, you know, Spider-Man no more is taken you know spider-man 2 sam raimi spider-man 2 but also in sam raimi spider-man 2 there's a scene where a lot of people say where spider-man's not spider-man anymore or he's not being spider-man and may's talking to him talking about this same type of stuff and everyone says that in that scene at may knows doesn't tell me knows but trying to give him a pep talk to right. go back to spider-man i think this is that same exact thing and i think again this is like some I, I uh, love that scene for. in the movie. Yeah, That's exactly. And I think scene. this is—I think exactly what's happened here in a different way. I think it, that this book was inspiration for that. And I, the same thing happens in Amazing Spider-Man too, as well. I believe there's a hero in all of us. I think it's the same type of thing. <sighs> Makes me cry, man. Is she alive still? I think so. Actually, I think she's still acting. She's old. Anyway. Uh, but do you agree or disagree? I think I literally think I don't. Uh, maybe, th- I didn't pick up on that when I read it. I don't think that Stan intentionally did that. I think maybe if we were trying to determine when in the canon she figured it out, I could say that that would be a valid moment. But really, we need to see the next few issues of like, if she's still like, oh, poor frail Peter, you know what I mean? Then like, you know. Yeah, true. Then okay. Then yeah, okay. Right back to yeah. Maybe I was wrong or whatever. But I really do think uh, this was inspiration for that scene in Spider-Man Two as well probably yeah um and it happened in Maze Spider-Man 2 as well at the end like the same thing mm-hmm. if you remember that obviously that was good but um I was excited when I read this I was like oh it's happening this is the moment this is the moment um but I, I I love this issue I think like you mentioned there's no action in it so it's a lot of just like character development and story and I think that's good it's kind of nice to take a pause from the non-stop fight scenes um I would rate it 7 out of 10 I'd give it an 8 uh, on par with uh, seventeen, I think honestly those last couple pages did it for me. Yeah, yeah, good, good couple pages. Yep. Um, it was pretty hype, you know. It was like he was like, "This is we're Parkers," you know, like come on. And then he rips the bag. He rips the bag with the the suit in it and puts it on. He's like, "Let's go." It, it does remind me of also in No Way Home, like Aunt May's pep talks to Peter in that. Right. Just very much like um, this is what we do. We do the right thing. Exactly. Okay, so diving into the next issue. Amazing Spider-Man 19. Now, we cut for a moment there because I had to run to the restroom. And while we were cut, you mentioned that you did not like this issue. I really liked this issue. Why? I think I know why. Is it the Enforcers? Yes, it's the Enforcers. They're, dude, they're all over the place. I hate them, bro. I'm done with I'm done. They, with they are Spider-Man's real arch nemesis. It was, okay, it was. They've appeared ten. more than any. No, Doc Ock said more. It was good in issue 10, great issue with the big man. I love the big man, by the way. Love the big man. His enforcers were with him, cool. Issue 14, I could have done without him. Yeah, they didn't add much to that. 
I really do not like that they're in this. I just don't like. I just I maybe I'm crotchety. I don't know. So, I just I'm just not a fan. So speaking of collecting, I do have issue 19. Uh, Ooh, covers detached, nice. but it displays really well. Colors look really good. This is actually the first Silver Age Spider-Man comic book I ever owned. I think I remember, I think I remember that. Which there was like a huge that. deal because I went from having like my oldest book was like in the 170s to having issue 19. Like I was kind of freaking out at the time um, and thinking that was just the coolest ever. Uh, don't really like this cover that much. It's kind of bland. If you notice that Spider-Man swinging is like the one the one thing always used in the 1960 uh cartoon yeah so that was, that's cool i guess that's the cool thing the origin of it yeah yep. um but this is another human torch guest appearance <clears throat> which i'm kind of sick of the human torch um it's sandman again which thing. sandman's cool uh they kind of were just like sandman and the enforcers teamed up and i'm like when why what like how I guess they're all kind <laughs> of like uh knuckleheads i guess but seems like a um, weird uh yeah, that's what I'm saying. It was kind of like... So I, I read the Sinister Six, Sinister Six issue last night, and today I read the other four. Mm -hmm. um, by this issue, I was like, I am totally done with the Human Torch right now. Yeah. And why are the Enforcers here? I mean, I agree. The reason I like this issue is because it's him... Like, of the arc of these five, where it was him screwing up and, like, losing his reputation and all that, this is him kind of redeeming himself. This is, like, the after last issue being like, all right, I'm Spider-Man... This is the issue where he's in it, and he's like, I'm here to save the day, and he gets his win, and JJ is mad again. I will say, <clears throat> I like everything other than, like, the kind of battles they had with, you know, when the Torch back in the issue again. It's just, and, you know, like I said, maybe I'm being crotchety. Uh, yeah, it was like, Human Torch fighting the Enforcers, don't really care. Uh, I liked how Sandman did beat him, though. It was interesting, but uh, really, yeah, the, the parts that I cared about... Um, was definitely Peter and him kind of being the hero again, I think. He's kind of rebounded from how poorly the last few issues have gone for him. Uh, and then he meets Ned, and he's super chill with him. Like, he's super respectful to Betty, so we love a, a respectful man. Ned Leeds, first, I guess, not first appearance of Ned Leeds. First, first full. First, first full. First full, I guess you could say. First well, full appearance of Ned First time Leeds. he's named, I guess. Right, which is very cool. Obviously, he plays a big part in a couple next decades worth of, and of issues. Obviously, very different than the MCU version of Ned Leeds. Yes, uh, very different. Where Ned Leeds in the MCU is obviously based off of Miles' best friend, Genki. Um, I don't to name Genki, I guess. Be, I don't know. That's a whole different thing. Yeah, but... Uh, this is a very different Ned Leeds. So if you've never read the comic books, you've only seen the movies, this is not the Ned you know. This is a white guy journalist working at the Daily Bugle. Um, of course, all the characters are white back then, so, you know, um, not not great. But, yeah, uh, not much to say about Ned Leeds. He's just, he's just a nice guy who's, you know, him and Betty are hitting it off. So he works at the Daily Bugle as well. I honestly, I know who Ned Leeds is, but for whatever reason, like, I never, like, grasp my hands around like, his like I never really read these early issues I never read like his first appearances so I know what the whole Hobgoblin stuff but at the same time I thought he was always just kind of one of Peter's pals yeah no he, he works at the Bugle him and Betty start dating I'm pretty sure they stay together for a while um so I, I think I think Betty and Peter are officially over I think she's with no, Ned, yeah, was Ned now. So. um but Even uh they're, they're over he's still got a lot of uh 
still got a couple girls going after him, Peter. He does, yeah. He's not propositions. He's not uh, struggling. At least, it, you know, Betty's the one he loves. So that's one thing the movies have not gotten right, man. You look at Tom Holland, Peter, and he is like struggling to like even talk to his crush. But like back in the comics, the ladies were throwing themselves at him. He's a player, straight up. He's straight really up. a player. Literally, yeah. He's like, oh, you don't want to date me? Well, I'll call this I'll call, other girl. Call someone else. Yeah, I got girls on girls on girls for days. And then he's like, he's like, I don't want the blind date because she's probably ugly. Yeah, this guy has standards. Yeah, high standards. Like I don't know what that Watson girl looks like, but probably ugly. Probably ugly. Um, but JJ grumpy as usual. Uh, Sandman kind of planning with the villains. I love how Spider Man comes back and torments JJ some more. He's like, I'm back, and JJ's getting mad. So that's where I should, it seems like Spider Man's just in higher spirits this issue, and I, I enjoy that. No, he's really like revved up from I think the end of the last issue. Uh, which we talked about, obviously. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so literally goes back to JJ and he's like, Hey, Smiley, did you know I was back? <laughs> yeah, I love that. That's so great. Um, so, we see that panel with the actual swing Spider-Man on uh, page 13. Yep. The classic one. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... <laughs> Spider-Man classic that that animated show when did that come out because that must have been like 1960s spider-man animated show 1960s i want to find out if it came out like same time as this because maybe that panel was like right 1967 that's when this this came out in 19 where is it 64 uh issue 19 came out 1964 so yeah it was a couple years later they had the animated show that's crazy and and they love to use that little uh our piece from Swain. Yeah. So, uh, the Human Torch, in all his glory, gets captured by uh, the Enforcers and Sandman. Yeah. So, okay. So, one thing I'm remembering as I'm looking at these panels. Specifically, if you look at, like, when he first fights the Enforcers, uh, page 12 is a good example. When I said Steve Ditko's art is getting better... You remember, we were roasting the way he was drawing Spider-Man, like, clinging to walls and the poses. But you look at, like, page 12, almost every panel, like, these are some really good poses and the art is really good. Like, especially when he's, like, hey, smiley, like, the way he's, like, contorted. like He's, a, like a, he's like, actually, like, sticking see, to the yeah. wall. Yeah, like, his anatomy looks correct. Even on page 13, bottom right panel, like, the anatomy actually looks good. So I feel right, like right. Steve Ditko's definitely leveled up his art a little bit um, with the anatomy of... Yeah, it looks, it looks amazing. Like, this is, like, peak... Steve Ditko, like it is, or prime Steve Ditko, I should say. Yeah, yeah. Um, just awesome, awesome artwork. Yeah. Uh, now, Spider-Man, as smart as he is, sees this tank with Human Torch in it, with a bunch of sand on top of it. Yeah. And doesn't for a second, which, first of all, he fights the Enforcers earlier, and then he shows up here, and he's like, Sandman and the Enforcers. When did he find out that Sandman was involved at all? See, I don't know. I mean, how did he know to go here again? Uh, he talked to a, a crook on the on the street. Oh, that's right. He got a crook to talk. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's another thing where they kind of just glossed over that fact and just was like, just make him know. So he figured it out, yeah. Um, did he that man? You're making me go crazy. Huh? I, like, I, for whatever reason, I feel like I remember him saying something that, like, oh... I mean, the guy no, he interrogated yeah, no, really, was really, like, really, I need really. to warn Sandman, but he didn't say that. 
Yeah, no, so I don't think Spider-Man knew. But uh, he starts fighting with Sandman and the Enforcers. I agree with you. I'm kind of over the Enforcers at this point. I liked them in issue 10 a lot more than I thought I would. Uh, but I'm kind of sick of it. Oh, he got lassoed. Oh, just kidding. He jumped out of the lasso. Oh, Ox is super strong, but Spider-Man's stronger. Like, Here comes the little shit. Yeah. Right oh, he's like going to throw yeah. Montana. You know, it's whatever. Um, seeing Sandman's cool, but this is definitely not Sandman's best appearance. Um, and then Spider-Man, of course, frees Human Torch, and he helps him fight and get them all. Uh, I did like, <clears throat> again, I feel like the Enforcers and Sandman are a bit of knuckleheads, but they had a good plan in, in terms of having a cage for the Human Torch with just enough oxygen for him to breathe, but not enough for him to flame on. Yeah. Which was pretty cool. It seems a little too uh, smart for Sandman, but... And the Enforcers, too. Again, I think they're just a bunch of knuckleheads. Yeah, but, I mean, hey, The, the big it. man ain't around. Um, but I do love... Excuse me. Oh. I do love Spider-Man accidentally webbing Johnny, and they, like, get tangled up. Like, they're not they they're not good at working together at all. They were for a second, and, and you know, Spider-Man was like, ah, I think we're working pretty well, and then... Or no, uh... Human Torch. Because uh, Human Torch is trying to, trying to befriend him. But Human Torch said that, and then, you know, Peter was like, bite your tongue, hothead. Yeah. Does not play well with others, but, uh... Sandman actually ends up getting apprehended by the police. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting. Um, he was too weak to pretty much get away. So he had to surrender. So I guess his energy does affect his ability to shift his molecules. Yes, uh, so that's a little bit of new information about how his powers work. Um, probably going to break out in about the next issue. Which... Yeah, he'll be out of jail in no time. And then to end the issue, there's this mysterious new character who's tailing Peter Parker. And someone has hired him to do that. Now, I know, I'm pretty sure I know who the secret person who hired him is. Uh, confused why he would have him tailing Peter Parker. And I feel like they want you to think it's the Green Goblin. So, um, I actually didn't, reading this issue, know who it was. And it was really bothering me, so I just skimmed through the next issue. And obviously then I found out who it was. Like, I didn't read anything. I just, like, was looking for the guy in that suit. Yeah. <clears throat> and then I know... I probably can guess why he's looking for. I didn't. I didn't look at that part. I just remember. I like figured out who this was. Yeah. But I'm gonna guess it's because of the amazing pictures that in this issue he was able to take of Spider-Man. So he probably wants to get some knowledge on that. Yeah. Um, well. Okay. Well, I kind of spoiled the. Fact I'm. I'm, I'm interested to see. Well, obviously I know who it is, but I'm interested to see um, yeah. how that because I've never read issue twenty, so I have no clue how that actually goes down. Um, I love the scorpion. But obviously, I'm familiar with the origin of the scorpion and, and who that would be connected to. Um, but I feel like, I mean, I felt like when I was reading this, they wanted you to think that the shadowed figure is the Green Goblin. No, I think so, too. Because <clears> that's the only other person you don't know. Right. Which, once it's revealed who this guy is, that would even further make me suspect that J. Jonah is the Green Goblin. Yeah, yeah. Especially because he's been losing his freaking mind the last five he's issues, so like... He's kind of crazy enough to do it. I really... The only... Oh, I guess JJ was there when he fought the Green Goblin, though. At issue 17. I guess you're right, yeah. Yeah. Well, that theory's dead. I, I would have thought that for, like, a few issues. Code. So who else do you think it is, then? Oh, man. Ned Leeds? Maybe. This random guy who showed up out of nowhere? I mean, I don't know. But, um... Uh, who knows? But, uh, yeah, I agree. This issue is definitely, like, a 4 or 5 out of 10. It's not anything great. Um, mostly really, filler. I, I was... I think issue 1 through 15 were 
boom, first appearance, boom, first appearance, boom, first appearance, boom, first appearance, boom, second appearance, yada, yada, yada. This is to the point where from now until the most current issue, we will not have anything like 1 through 15 again. Yeah. Um, it will be, obviously it's going to be, there's very, very important first appearances, you know, from now until the newer issues. Um, and give it, give it like a month or two and we'll be at the John Romita era. Exactly, and there's there some very new, much looking forward to that. Yes, some new villains like the Rhino and stuff like that that come in, and again, issue next issue is issue twenty. But there's going to be a lot of reappearances of things of people, um, some good and some <clears throat> probably are going to be like this issue where it's like I'm kind of bored. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I remember think thinking that because to... I I bought my nineteen back in the day, and I remember reading it and thinking like this is kind of boring. Um, because I hadn't read any of the like classic Stan Lee books, and this was actually I think the first one I ever read, and it really suffers from what I think the old Spider-Man books do, which is just like a lot of narration, a lot of like boring action, and I mean it's you know it's the comics of the time, you know you can't expect much more, but I think it just doesn't live up as well as some of the other ones. Yeah, I know. Uh, <clears throat> I get you. I get what you're saying, but like you know, like I say, and like think about when we're in, at issue two forty. Three to or two forty to two forty five or whatever. Yeah, you know it's going to be a bunch of, you know, we could have five just back issues that we're going to review in an episode. You know, and so I think from now on. Well, I'm looking to have, forward to that though because we'll be able to actually really see never, the connected yeah. story. And I never read those. I read some, but I haven't read like. You know, yeah, most of them. Two thirty-two. You know, like. <laughs> yeah, it'll it'll definitely. I'm actually looking forward to that because I think that'll yeah. be when you really start to see some better stories. I'm looking forward to it, but we're also going to have some issues like this where it's just kind of like, right, I'm kind of bored. A little bit, yeah. But um, so next episode on Webheads next week we will have issue number twenty, twenty-one, twenty-two, twenty-three, and twenty-four. Uh, which right. oh. issue are you the most? Oh well, I said mine already. What was your favorite issue this week? 18. It's got to be 17, but I'm, like, so biased, it's not even funny. Yeah. So, I'll say, other than 17, it was definitely 18. Okay, I, I would agree. I think those two were the highlights. Um, but which issue next week are you most looking forward to? I would to? have to look at, because, again, I'm get, we're getting to the point where I don't necessarily know every single issue by part. Like, I know 22. I'm kind of excited to read 22. Because that was my first early, early... Like, that was my first Steve Ditko book. Hmm, okay. I don't have it anymore. I traded it, I think, in a trade with... Lee Kirby Ditko Comics, yeah. To get one of the books I have now. Um, so I'm kind of interested to read that again, because I know I think I read it or skimmed... Or probably read the action parts when I was a kid. So I'm a little bit excited to read that. But I love the Green Goblin moving <clears throat> forward, because you see a little bit more of his motives. So I'm excited for issue 23. Three, yeah, 23. Um, and then issue... I, I'm obviously looking 20. forward to 23, because Green Goblin. I would have to yeah. say I'm most looking forward to issue 24. Uh, I don't even know. That is one of my favorite covers of all time. It's the blue background Spider-Man with his head on his hand, and there's like an apparition of Vulture and Sandman, and it says, Spider-Man goes mad. Um, oh, yeah. I'm pretty sure, I mean, if I were guessing, I think it'll be Mysterio, but... Uh, it's definitely a, a cooler Mysterio book, so I'm really so, looking forward to that one. I'm really, really looking forward to <coughs> issue 20 again because I love the Scorpion. I think he has an awesome, awesome origin story. I think it's pretty cool. I love issue 23 because the tag of the Goblin and the Gangsters is probably my favorite thing to ever exist. It is actually the splash page is my uh, my home screen on my phone. <laughs> 
Because I just, I don't know, I, lo I love the goblin and the gangsters. It's just such a great little tag. The goblin and the gangsters. It's pretty sick, so I'm excited for that. Ah, oh, man, it's actually kind of hard. It's, I would say it's tied between 20 and 23. Okay, okay. So we'll see you next week. If 22 lived up to your expectations, if 20... I'm like, I'm honestly not looking forward to 20 that much. I know this is an unpopular opinion. I've never been a huge fan of Scorpion, personally. Okay. Uh, so I'm not really that looking forward to it. I mean, obviously I'm going to get an issue to 20 one day, but like, it's not really something I'm like desperate to get because it's just it's never excited me, really. I really like Scorpion, so I'm very excited. We'll see. I mean, maybe, maybe this will change my mind. I mean, I, I've completely 180'd on Sandman because of issue 4, so maybe this right. will... Change my I opinion. would like to say something that I forgot to mention at the very top of this episode, which is going back to issue 16 on the page. It says, warning, if you don't say this is one of the greatest <laughs> issues you've ever read, we may never talk to you again. And I'm going to say this. I know for a fact that our next podcast, episode 5, will be the best podcast you ever listened to in your whole entire life. And if you disagree... We may never I'll, speak I'll, to you ever I'll again. Never, yeah, I'll never, I'll never talk to you again. Yeah, yeah. Just so everybody knows. Big facts. Well, I think that's a perfect note to uh, cap it off here. So we will see you guys next week, next Monday. Yes. We're going the greatest podcast episode you've ever seen. The in your greatest life. podcast episode you've ever seen in your life. I will hopefully not be sick that time. So me too. Who knows? What, in a week. Yeah, maybe grim. maybe he'll have had it. I don't know. We'll 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 be here. All right, we'll we'll be here. But I'll have um, the suds next week. Yeah. Stay tuned. Yeah. Stay tuned for more sickness. Um, hope everyone watching and listening is healthy and well uh, everyone ha happy new year stay safe uh be be careful because everyone is catching this covid thing so i am gonna go sleep now so thank you for watching thank you for listening we will see you guys next week with episode five of Goodbye. ed's comic club